Hello and welcome to another amazing episode of Voices of Black Folk. Today, y'all, I have my brother, my A1 since day one, the Durham days, my boy Marcus Montano, better known as Marcus Isaiah. Brother, how's it going? What's up, man? I, I love that. I wasn't expecting that. What's up? What's up? What's oh, no, up? man. For those, for the people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about who Marcus, Marcus Isaiah is. Man, that's... A lot of layers to that, but I, I think the best way to put it is I'm somebody who feels like they're placed on this earth to inspire others. Mm. Um, so uh, just a little bit of my background. I'm from Tucson, Arizona, born and raised. I didn't travel much when I was younger, so I always had uh, the yearning, I guess, to get out of my city and, and explore mm. different parts of the country and eventually like different parts of the world. And so for that reason, I went to the East Coast for school. Uh, without even knowing where Duke was, like I ended up applying. Then after I got in, I kind of did a little more research, ended up in Durham, um, where we met. So um, that was an experience in itself, just being in the mm -hmm. South for the first time. And then also being at a college where the students didn't necessarily make up like the immediate, mm -hmm. I guess, geographic location. They weren't coming from the area, like, you know, mm -hmm. they're coming from the Northeast, they're coming from Cali all over, international students as well. Um, and I really think like being at Duke, I learned a lot more outside of the classroom than I mm -hmm. did in the classroom, to be quite honest. And just mm -hmm. by talking to my friends who were coming from uh, affluent backgrounds and stuff like that, I kind of picked up game here and there. And I realized, okay, owning your own business is how you can really like start to create wealth for your family and Absolutely. have access to a lot of things that I didn't have access to growing up. And so I always knew, even though I was getting my first job out of college, in DC, I knew that in the back of my head, I was going to want to start my own businesses. And so I kind of paid attention to the way that they ran mm -hmm. their small business. Um, Cause it's, you know, it's like 40, 50 person firm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I pick up things here and there. And then mm -hmm. eventually I decided to take the leap of faith and start my own ventures, uh, Southwest advisors and Southwest luxuries, which is probably we'll be talking about. <laughs> Fantastic. So just a little bit of backstory. So the way uh, Marcus and I are connected for those of you who've been tuning into Voices of Black Folk, appreciate you first and foremost, but we are um, members of the most esteemed, most established, the others don't even matter, the Good Brothers Alpha Fraternity Incorporated, you already know, A5 to the day I die, but one thing, uh, you know, that I really respect about Marcus, but more so about your chapter, right, the, uh, the KO Brothers from Duke University there's something to be said about this group of young men. Not only are they driven, not only are they about their stuff, but they are really like charting their own paths, regardless of what hand they were dealt in life. And so, you know, most people that attend schools like Duke, you know, you would think that they come from more um, esteemed families, from wealth, from money, but that's not necessarily the case, right? And so, I guess my first question before we even jump into um, Southwest Luxuries and um, the financial piece, talk about that. Talk about what that transition was like coming from where, uh, from Tucson, Arizona and going to this bastion of, of wealth and being able to see what the gamut of wealth really looked like. Yeah, that's a really good question because uh, like I said, you know, I grew up on the South side of Tucson and where a lot of folks don't necessarily go to college or even look to go to college that, you know, the MO, especially, you know, I'm growing up in the early 2000s. So the MO back then was you either go and work like a 40, 50 hour 
a week, work week, work, you know what I'm saying, 40, 50 hours a week job doing manual labor and then kind of just like, you know, clocking out, coming home and not really exposed to starting your own business, not really exposed to investing, stuff like that. Um, and then, or, or you were going the alternative route, which mm -hmm. I don't really need to say explicitly, but this is early 2000s, yeah. Arizona, you can figure, you can fill in the blanks of what was being exported out of Arizona. So for me, um, I just knew that I always like needed to be exposed to just more information because I always saw stuff on TV where it was like, all right, they got a big crib, they got money. Like, how how is it that nobody I know in my immediate circle like has any money? And so like I started to to ponder that question, I guess. And when I got to high school, I was lucky to go to a, a public college prep school. So it wasn't one where you know my family had to spend 20, 30 racks a year for a private school education that's college prep but I actually like tested in there's a public school like I said so it was part of the school district we played against other public high schools I was on campus with the public high school so I kind of had a that was like my first experience kind of going to school with folks from all over the city then on top of that the people that did have bread at that school it wasn't really cool to flaunt it um like a lot of the it was kind of self-selective like the families that let their students go to that school instead of sending them to like, you know, the private schools or the schools on the north side, they were a little more humble. I'll just put it that way. They didn't wear their material items on their sleeve for lack of a better phrase. Mm -hmm. So nobody was pushing crazy whips. Nobody was wearing design or anything like that. Crazy watches, nothing like I knew that was happening at other private schools in the city. Mm -hmm. So again, like, you know, now I'm starting to meet families where their dad might be a doctor, their mom might be a lawyer, they work in government consultants etc cetera, etc cetera. so like i started again just to just realize like oh, okay so like you kind of need to trade a skill set blah, blah 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 then going to duke that was a complete 180 than what i was used to because that was my first time and i'm just gonna keep it 100 that was my first time seeing wealth at that level i'm talking like seven eight nine figures mm. that's my first time seeing people of color with bread mm. I wasn't I wasn't used to that at all like most of the people I knew growing up growing up even if they had money it was still like solid middle class so like maybe both combined like the household combined might have been like lower six figures or high five figures you know what I mean so it was just it just exposing to a whole new world bro um mm. and it was the adjustment for me was tough because not only like am I not coming necessarily from like a bunch of money but on top of that the culture here in Tucson is very laid back and chill. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know a lot about a lot of the stuff that they would talk about when it, when it came <clears> to <throat> mm -hmm. just what they do on the day to day, the vacations they took, the whatever, like I said, the investing stock market, mm -hmm. all that, like was just brand new information when I got mm -hmm. to Duke, but I've always been about my bread and like, you know, I, I come from a family hustler. So like, I knew that I was going to, learn learn as i as i went like i said i learned way more outside of the classroom just chopping it up with my peers than like actually learning the information for my economics or my business or my finance class you know what i mean absolutely absolutely you know um that you know it's funny because similar to you having the experience at duke when i first came to penn i had that experience right like although i wasn't a duke student i probably spent a little bit too much time on that campus uh hanging out with y'all boys but i remember um the first week when I was at Penn and I'm walking down Locust Walk 
to the library and something just catches my eye and it was like $100,000 pitch competition, unsolicited funds. And I'm looking like, wait, so they're just giving out a hundred grand to undergraduate students for an idea, right? Right At Central, I ain't never seen nothing like that. Hell, even all the times I've been at Duke, I didn't see too many of that. And so just being, so just being in that ecosystem of a ridiculous amount of wealth just gets the the brain churning, right? So let's fast forward, you know, most people that attend uh, schools like Duke, some call it the the Harvard of the South, one of the, um, the, it's definitely Ivy Plus institution. They go off to consulting, they go off to law school, they go off to these high paying fields. So talk a little bit about that transition going um, from school to the workforce and then decide that, you know what, I want to create something for myself. Yeah. So the first red flag, and it's funny because red flag is like the vernacular now. <laughs> that memes going on. But like the first red flag that I saw mm-hmm. was that, you know, I was kind of, my boys went into finance, Wall Street. So I saw the process from the beginning for them where they were going to the networking events, interviewing, doing the super days where they could fly them out to Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs and stuff like that. And they're having the interviews. And I finally like just asked them like, yo, what do they, what do they even pay? Like, why are people gunning for these specific jobs? Mm-hmm. And at the time it's probably more now, but at the time it was like 80K, 85K, 90K for the base salary mm-hmm. and a bonus of anywhere from 30 to 50, I think, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm never, I'm never like in their pockets to ask them for real, for real, but I was mm-hmm. just asking what the industry standard was. So anyway, them telling me that though. So I took that and I realized that there were people who were coming from families who were actually paying Duke tuition and everything else that comes with it. So they were probably paying anywhere from 250 to $300,000 for the education. Right. But then their, their, their children are coming out of college and they're making whatever 90 to 120k mm-hmm. but then they're living in new york and then they're trying to live a certain lifestyle so it seems upside down and then on top mm-hmm. of that i'm thinking okay what about everybody who had to take out student loans mm. and has to pay that back mm. so, talk about it yeah so i so all in all i said this is ostensibly the best job that you can get out of college mm-hmm. and you're still upside down yeah so so that again like that just was was kind of like a light bulb going off where I need to eventually either make a flip, whether it's real estate or investing, mm-hmm. or I need to start my own business and, mm-hmm. and run my life because I'm obviously capable of being at this school and in this institution. Mm-hmm. So the brains and hustle, or the brains are there, I guess. I'll put it that way. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and that's just anybody who's in who's in college or who has ever like had an idea and gone for it. Like, I just think that we all innately just have the ability. It's just, it just really comes down to the consistency and the hard work. So absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I would, I would just say that um, I just started plotting. And then, like I said, I entered the workforce. I was working for a DC based company in DC and doing the finances. So like, I was able to see how much bread they were bringing in versus what we were getting, which is fine because they put the time in there's overhead, all that type of stuff. But absolutely. I also realized I, that's when I started learning about write-offs. That's when I started learning about business expenses, business credit, stuff like that. And so again, I was just looking for the right opportunity to jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and and finally just took went the, for it. Took that leap, huh? Yeah, yeah. Did I ask your question though? No, that answers the question perfectly. And so right. I think this brings me next to um, my next question, right? So I remember it was, uh, I want to say it was about three or four months back. You know, usually I keep up with uh, people that I'm relatively close with, whether it be from college or just life in general. And I just started seeing the Southwest Luxury uh, uh, Southwest Advisors. I'm like, yo, what Mark is up to now? And one day you post a post with like seven black cars. It was a Tesla, a Jeep, a Benz. Um, I think it was an Audi there. It might have been a Maybach there. I don't know. But <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, yo, what is going on? And so like, I remember I hit you up like, yo, bro, can we chop it up? And you told me about like this thing that you were doing. You started this company. You were using this thing called Toro. You were renting these cars out. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, every financial advice or any financial guru I've ever listened to, they've always said cars are a liability. So how's he making an asset? How's he making a profit? And how's he like, how's this thing working? And you know me, like I am one of those friends that, you know, when, uh, uh, well, when he got all the degrees, went into the workforce, still working um, for the quote unquote man, but, you know, trying to make that, not trying, but making that transition toward working for myself. And, you know, you put me on game, right? And you like, in, in all essence, you probably need to send me an invoice because you just saved me a lot of money the last couple of months. So talk a little bit about that transition and getting into that space. And how did you even hear about it? Yeah, so I spent a lot of time on YouTube, man. I just, I really like, and this is literally dating back to high school when Khan Academy first came out. Mm-hmm. Like YouTube became more important or I consumed more of that than I did TV. And I've been, and that's for the last 10 years. And so just going down the like YouTube rabbit hole of people doing side hustles, I know that they've done like Amazon drop shipping, which is pretty much like sourcing from China, finding the US uh, demand and then meeting in the middle. Like I, from everything, even even doing music, like, you know, just trying to find a way to fund that that mm-hmm. wasn't coming from my direct W2 paycheck. And so I ended up just uh, finding the earn your leisure guys. And that just opened my world up to just a whole new, realm of possibilities, not just because, and and the reason I want to give them kudos is because it's like the amount of information they put out, Mm, if you know that that they exist and you're not benefiting from it and you're you're in a financial crunch, to me, that's just a lack of like dedication and consistency or like, you know, believing in yourself because they just, they put out information when it comes to stocks, crypto, and every business, they had somebody who who started like a what is it like a water company mm-hmm. out of New York, all the way to folks that do like vending machine businesses. Right. So, you know, I was just looking for a way to get a cash flowing business that I actually would enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had tried to use Turo last year actually, but there weren't too many cars in the area. And so, when I moved back from New York, I initially wanted to get into real estate, but the process is just too arduous. It's not arduous, but it's it's just you can't. It's not like you can get a house this month, rent it out, and then get another house the next month, unless you come from a lot of bread. Which mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm not coming from a crazy family wealth or anything. So I just had to kind of figure out an entry point and some type of business, get some type of experience. And so 
yeah, I, I paid uh, to go to a few conferences. I paid for sit down consultations um, that totaled more than, you know, well, I'll just say five figures plus. So mm-hmm. uh, I invested in myself and just started asking questions, uh, paid for courses and stuff like that. And I just said, F it, like, <laughs> why not just, just try it out. So I got my credit right. So that was, oh, that was another impetus was that of me going on the YouTube rabbit hole mm-hmm. was around COVID, just with everything going on, I was also like, the music was starting to pick up too. I literally forgot to make a, I always thought that my student loans were on auto pay, but it was because I overpaid them like 18 months ago. So and finally, when they were due, in my head, I'm like, auto pay, auto pay, auto pay. I ended up missing the emails, missing the notifications, all that. So I got, my credit score dropped like more than 100 points. And so that's why I started learning about credit, did the credit repair. EYL started saying, oh, you can use credit to get cars. You can use credit to get cribs. You can use credit to start up your business. So then I started doing more research on that. Again, paying for consultations. And then that's why I pulled the trigger. It's because with the cars, I knew that there were only 25 in Tucson. This is May, 2021. There are only 25 in Tucson. I knew it was a cash flowing business. I knew I needed a car anyway. <laughs> so it's like they were going to be paying for my lifestyle anyway. Mm-hmm. And then number four, um, I knew that if I got seven plus, or if I got you know six, seven, maybe 10, I knew that it would bring shock value, mm. which was intentional not only to get people to you know pay attention to the financial literacy piece, but Bro, to be honest, like the past couple months of just doing this business, not even really going hard with the networking, like people are already starting to run into me and just be like, hey, like, oh, wait, I heard about this. Oh, sorry for my. Oh, no, you're fine. Um, they're like, yo, I heard about you, heard about your business, heard about Turo. Oh, you're the one with the seven cars. And, you know, I, I told this story on another interview, like I was driving the Beamer with the drop top and somebody um asked what I did for a living I told them I have a car rental business and they're like oh you're that dude from Instagram so it's like it's good though because Mm -hmm. also I have some young homies that are you know 18 19 20 21 and they're realizing that they can do this themselves as long as their credit's on point Mm -hmm. instead of having to go slave away at you know fast food Mm -hmm. and then before they know it they blink and they're 22 they hadn't gone to college so they're now they're trying to make ends meet because they might have a kid like that's just the, the story out here you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and back in, again, back in the day, 2000s, 90s, you can get a job at Foot Locker and your significant other could get a job at Target and y'all be straight. But mm-hmm. now it's not the case anymore. So, no, sir. Yeah, that was another reason I got into it and decided to do it in Tucson specifically because I could have gone to a- Atlanta. I could have gone to, I could have started in Phoenix, mm-hmm. other places, but I knew like I wanted people to see that it's possible in Tucson. And all it takes is really like waking up early, being consistent and taking a leap of faith. That's really all it is. Like people. And you know, it's crazy because thinking about that, I was thinking about a documentary um, my wife and I watched a couple of nights back and they were talking about the true cost of college, right? Like I am an Ivy League trained doc- doctor in higher education. And I would probably say that I fundamentally believe higher education is not for everyone nor does everyone need higher education in order to be successful, right? Because there's a story that's been sold to us for so many years 
back um, pre-World War II, it made sense to go to college, right? Because the value of a bachelor's degree was worth more. But um, as soon as the vets came back and they put that GI Bill, you had an influx of people going into colleges, getting these degrees that uh, little by little got watered down. And so now you got to take out more loans, get higher degrees to just to be able to make it by. And you've been able to create something that's not only sustainable for you, but you've been able to create something that's scalable. You've been able to create something that you can mentor others on. And honestly and truthfully, I look at you as a mentor in this Turo game because when you know when you first told me about it, I'm a very adverse to risk person, right? Like I have a wife, I have a kid. So like the things I do financially, they have to make sense. And one of my biggest um, pet peeves, one of the things that was just bothering me, I'm like, yo, I'm driving a car I don't like and I'm paying 400 plus dollars a month for it. And yeah, I know we need a car, but I don't like, I'm tired of paying that. Most of the time we, both my wife and I, we work from home. So we only use the car to go pick up my son or maybe go to the grocery store. But at the end of the month, I'm still responsible for paying for this four and some change for it. And so I was like, you know what? Let me try this Toro game out. So I gave you a call. You walked me through the play. And I was like, there's no way that one car is going to be able to pay the card note for two cars. I'm like, fundamentally, financials, I might be able to pay the, car, the, the note for one car, but there's no way this car is going to pay the note for two cars. And since July of 2021, I have not had to pay a cent of my personal money that comes from my full-time job towards my car notes. And I'm early on my car notes every single month. Let's go. Matter of fact, because of you, I just would have bought another car. Right. And like, just see, and like, you know, talking about EYL and really diving deep into that and like really understanding, you know, that ecosystem of like, Yo, there's no reason why anybody cannot be successful in today's day and age. I don't care if you're homeless. I know homeless people with cell phones. If you have a cell phone, you can log on to YouTube, YouTube University, and you can find a trade in order to make you some money. And so I think that um, that's a great segue into our next piece, talk about the financial piece, right? Because unfortunately, as a people, you know, from both um, the African-American as well as the Latinx lens, Financial literacy and financial education is something that, honestly, too often we're lacking. And so in addition to Southwest Luxuries, you also uh, started Southwest Advisory. So talk us through what that process was like and, and what exactly are you, um, what is the, exactly is the purpose of that company? Yeah, so I would say it's threefold right now. So the first is education on credit. Mm-hmm. The second is education on the stock market or investing crypto, I guess you can include crypto now, bonds and stuff like that, foreign exchange. But again, for those two pieces, it's education. Mm. Like I'm, I do consultations, but the main focus is getting the information out so that people don't necessarily, digestible, making it digestible as well, but then also just so that people can't, I'll put it this way. The hard thing for me was that I grew up with a lot of ambition, mm-hmm. a lot of drive, mm-hmm. et cetera, but I kept hitting roadblocks because, and it's, and it's nobody's fault in my immediate circle. It's just, just the way the cards fell was that I didn't have access to that information outside of like, you know, an article on Google or 
a one-off YouTube video. And I'm talking again, like 10 years ago. So, mm-hmm. so the, the main thing for me is like, okay, I went off to Duke. I met all these people. I learned what I had to learn. Let me at least of service, like for the young kids that are like me coming up, at least give them the opportunity to learn. And if they choose to put that information to the side, that's on them. But the, at least they'll have the exposure, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I'll say the third piece is just, and, it's, and this is, you know, in development. So I guess this is uh, <laughs> Dr. Will Anu exclusive, but yeah, just trying to uh, bring together business owners in the Southwest and just making sure that they're doing their due diligence of giving game back because that's another thing that's tough, at least in my city, is that, you know, if you come up, if you're from the South Side, you come up by working hard, putting in a business, like what I unfortunately saw a lot, a lot of times was the initial reaction mm. towards that person was like, oh, they think they hot stuff now because they got their business, they got a little money, they got a nice car and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? So again, just trying to change the, the mindset and also try to influence the the culture around around the city and just you know again going towards supporting people who are working hard and doing well and trying to give back instead of necessarily hating mm. just because uh it might be a reflection of what you don't have to be mm. quite honest so listen i think that's and i think too like to that point it's so important because I remember, you know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is by Einstein, right? You know, compound interest is the eighth one of the world. Those who understand it, earn it, and those who don't pay it, right? And, you know, when you break that down, what does that mean? Like, going back to the, the piece about the stock market or even investing, like, when people tell me, yeah, you know, I just stockpile my money into um, a, a savings account, like, to me, that's like one of my, like, that irks my nerves, right? Because I'm like, first and foremost, the U.S. economy grows at a rate of 2.1% annually this year is going to grow at a rate of 4.1 percent a bank is only paying you 0.01 percent interest not to mention legally a bank only has to keep 10 percent of your money in the bank at any given time meaning that if you go if you have a hundred thousand dollars into the bank and you go today like i want my hundred thousand they're gonna tell you come back in about a week or two right because they got to recoup that money back and when you start talking about investing, whether it's in crypto, whether it's in stocks, whether it's in ETFs, whether it's in bonds, too often our people get real hesitant, like, oh, I'm not trying to lose no money, right? And so can you talk a little bit about how, like, for, for those people that are so stuck in their ways that come from, you know, this ideology that, you know, the safest place for my money is in a, in, in a savings account and are so adverse to investing, like, what piece of advice would you, would you give them? Well, I would think that if they're, for, and this is just me being wrong. So like, if they're adverse to investing, what mm-hmm. that tells me is that their parents or their guardians, whoever coming up didn't invest or they didn't know what mm-hmm. they were doing. They might've lost money in 08. Mm. Uh, Cause I know that definitely happened to my grandpa and my mom back when she was working, for, um, working a full-time job. So like, I get that my only thing about about that is that <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to make it Not make it, but I mean essentially like you can't really you can't take financial advice from somebody who's broke or hasn't come up mm-hmm. or leveled up. So mm-hmm. that's 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 one thing that is, it hurts to hear but it's the truth. Like if your parents 
don't know anything about investing or told you to put in a savings account and you look and realize like, damn, they don't really have their financial stuff together. And you probably shouldn't take advice from them. That's mm. my first point. Mm. The second point I would, I would, I would make towards folks that are, you know, in our age range, you know, fresh out of college to, you know, just young professionals in general starting families is that if you, if you play scared during this time, mm. you're going to play scared when you have like real obligations, whether it's having to pay for your kid's college or whatever, or retire or anything like that. So if you just have park it in a savings account, it's going to lose, you're going to lose purchasing power. And unless you have a specific number that you're trying to get to so that you can, maybe if you get 50 bands, you might, all right, I'm going to put that in real estate. So I don't have to have a crazy monthly payment. If, if mm -hmm. that's the course you want to go, then I guess I support it. But um, yeah, I would just say that take risks now instead of later in life, because also your earnings are going to go up. Your income is going to go up. So I always tell like the boys in the chapter, and and it's tough to untrain somebody who's been thinking a certain way for mm -hmm. 15, 20 years. But I always tell the young boys in the chapter that are coming out of college, like, yo, make the mistake losing $500 and maybe having to eat cup noodles or rice and beans for the next month instead of, okay, now you're making 150, 200,000 a year as a 28 year old, 30 year old, and you still don't know what to do mm. with your money. It's like, lose that 500 and mess around with stock options, crypto, anything like that. Learn your lesson so that when you go in with 5,000, you know what you're doing. Absolutely. So that's kind of just my philosophy. I mean, I've always been risk tolerable though. So, and, and things worked out. Like as long as I was moving with the right intentions and I was, wasn't trying to cheat the system, things mm -hmm. always work out, always. So Absolutely. And I think that brings us to our last topic of hand. So in addition to the car rental business, in addition uh, to the financial literacy, you're also a musician, man. I don't, first and foremost, I don't know when you sleep, but um, so just tell us a little bit about, <laughs> just tell us a little bit about what that process has been like, you know, how's it going and, you know, what, where did that passion come from? Yeah, so I kind of alluded to it earlier, but when I was growing up, like, you know, the, there were only a few options in order to provide for your family, at least what I was seeing around. It was go to college, get the college post-college job, hustle, or do like manual labor. Mm. I wasn't going to do the, the number two or number three, so I knew that I had to go to college to make it out. And then on top of that, there were no athletes really that were coming out of Tucson. So like that was always a pipe dream as well. Mm -hmm. And the music, I've always loved music. I've always used it for motivation to get me through tough times. I've always used it like when I was playing sports. I always wanted to make music, but back then again, the accessibility wasn't there. So I couldn't, I wasn't like in high school able to look up YouTube videos on how to make beats and like be able to afford the software, the laptop. You know, I, I was just trying to make it to the next day with school. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I was going to college prep school, so I didn't really have time. So when I got to college and a couple of uh, the chapter bros were making music, that's when I was like, oh, like, it's, it's, it's easier than I thought to kind of just be in, a be in a studio, write something, record it, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So again, I always said, like, as soon as I get money, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try it out. At the very least, try it out. Um, and so in 2017, I was just veering towards just 
not really liking my life. You know, I was clocking in, doing the whole W-2 thing. Um, living in D.C., it was, like, getting colder. So it was, like, fall going into the winter. And I just, like, wasn't happy. And I was listening to some music. And I knew that they were doing a Bus Boys and Poet um, event where they do, like, uh, spoken word and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. I did spoken word in high school. Like, I competed. I used to, yeah, used to take, like, you know, top three. Oh, so you was nice. Yeah, I was I was decent. Like I've mm -hmm. never like traveled or anything, but like mm -hmm. in terms of like coming up in the city and getting feedback, like people always respected how honest I was. So then I was gonna do that at Busboys and Poets, and then I was like, you know what, screw, it. I'm gonna just do a song. Like why not? Again, mm -hmm. like just facing facing fear, being risk tolerable, and then the feeling I got on stage was a feeling I hadn't felt and since I really played like high school sports, and so. Mm -hmm. I said, and I was probably 20, I was 23 when I started making music. So I just saw it as a new challenge. Like I felt like I got to do, I got in the corporate job. I had some money in my pocket for the first time, but I wasn't feeling like I was living in my purpose. And it felt mm -hmm. like it was just another challenge for myself. But then also like when you are very honest with your music, other people can relate and other people can get inspired. And so mm -hmm. I'll just say, yeah, in the past four years, like, it's been something that I've been chipping away at. Now we're getting paid to do shows and people are hitting me up saying, like, you know, I don't even know if they listen to the music OD or anything like that religiously, but just the, they, they tell me just the fact that I'm pursuing it inspires them. Mm. So, like, that's a win for me. Um, and I already know, like, you know, consistency yields results so it's just a matter of time before you know I get to a point with the music where I can consistently put out good stuff and the people that want to support me mm -hmm. will support me not only because they're inspired but also because the final product is is, is a value so that's yo, how I got it yo that was <laughs> a whole bar my brother uh man yo this has been truly informational we heard about you know not only you know, coming from, I'm, I don't want to say lesser means, but coming from a place where a lot of people are desolate to creating not only something for yourself, but something you can pass down to future generation, something that you're helping your community just transform their ideologies and ways of thinking. Um, and so I think to that, man, I think, yo, like, ooh, I'm excited now, but I might need to go ahead and go give me a couple more cars. Um but before we close out, man, we got, we, sorry, we got to talk about that. Bro. We got to talk about that. Can you talk about, I'm going to flip it. Can you talk about your apprehension beforehand, maybe the first month of doing it, trying to figure it out, and then like how you feel now, three months later? Oh, absolutely. You talk about Turo? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, this man. With one car, right? This is with one car starting off. Yeah, so so as I mentioned, my whole idea at first was I just wanted to break even, right? Like I just didn't want to pay a car note no more because um, I wanted to allocate more money into uh, my investments in the stock market. And so, um, and I actually walked you through the play, um, you know. So we had had the conversation, and I was like, you know, like Marcus doesn't really have a family right now, so like he can be a little bit more riskier. I don't know if this is something that I should be doing, but I'm like, you know what? What do I have to lose? Worst case scenario, 
my wife and I were blessed that we both have two good enough jobs that if this thing doesn't work out, I can pay for the truck and she can pay for the Malibu. And so literally went trading our Equinox. And because currently there's actually a chip shortage, I was thinking that I would owe money, but I ended up getting uh, like $3,200 back from my car. And I was like, oh, oh, this is different. So I took that 32. She, it just so happened at the time she was going on, on an international trip with some of our friends. So I, um, we split 1200. So she took six, I took six. And the other two, we put uh, down payments on two new cars. And I was like, let me try this out for a month, two months. If it works, we'll keep it. If it doesn't, we'll reevaluate after two months. So literally download the app. Like uh, we decided that we would keep the truck as our main car just because for our son and with his stroller and his bags and everything, it made more sense. And thankfully, um, I had the foresight to get hybrid. So they're really good on gas. And I kid you not, like I took the pictures, you know, the first week I was feeling myself, you know, I had an economy car. I'm like, yo, this thing nice. So, you know, I'm going to go ahead and price it up. And I wasn't getting no hits. So I'm like, yo, why is nobody trying to rent my car? And I actually went through all the cars in Philly and did a market analysis. I'm like, yo, I'm charging for my Chevy Malibu. What people are paying for Benz's and Tesla's. Like, of course, ain't nobody uh, renting my uh, my joint. So, you know, I humbled myself. I dropped the price down. And yo, when I tell you it picked up, it was yeah. like we got hit by a wave. Like it got to the, I think the first month I had the car on there, we actually had the car in totality for two days without it being rented. Yeah, I remember, I remember you sending me those texts. Yeah. Paid. So made enough money to, so both my car, uh, notes and, you know, just being completely transparent are roughly around a thousand dollars paid the car note and insurance first month. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. Next month knocked it out. This month, I've literally had the guy that I'm picking the car from today that my man has had my car for like three weeks. And it's, and, bro, like it's paid the car note for um, the Malibu and paid half the car note for um, the um, the RAV4. And I still got, I still literally have like 20 days left till my next payment is due. Right. And so with that being said, I'm like, you know what, this thing is working. Like we're in a place that I feel comfortable enough that I can add more to it. So I was like, you know, I've always wanted a luxury car, but again, being the financially minded person, I'm like, I don't want to get on another liability, but I did a market analysis. I looked at Tesla's, I looked at Benz's, I looked at um, Audi's and ended up getting a uh, Benz, but because they didn't have a backup camera and here in the Northeast, people cannot drive without backup cameras. So word of advice, know your area and know who's driving. So end up i'm trading that into for actually a nicer audi that this car is like like i'm reading the specs and I, i'm excited about driving it yeah. and so i think um to your point you know like it's it's one of those it's it's the fear of the unknown right and i think you know going back to the um explanation that you gave for your young boys at duke is like you know it was it was this fear of like all right i've done so well that i don't want to do something that's going to cartel that but at the end of the day and going back to the whole idea with um, saving and investing, right? Like, yeah, you can put your money in a savings account and at the end of, and at the, end of the year, an average savings account will be back 0.01%. So if you put a thousand in, you're going to have a thousand ten dollars in there or 
you can put your money into the S&P 500 as the average return of 15%. And at the end of the year, instead of 110, you're going to have a, a $1,150 in there, right? And so it was one of those decisions that, you know, I'm not ready, nor do I have the uh, space to go out and, and get my fleet of cars yet. But I'm slowly growing. And for me, like that's showing scalability. And for me, I'm learning about business credit. Um, matter of fact, this car is able, thanks to you, like I was able to put this car in my business name, something that like six months ago, I didn't even know was a thing. And a business that I literally started for my podcast. Not, and, the, and it's crazy because I remember um, in December of last year, I said, my biggest goal for next year is to make Voices of Black Folk profitable. I don't know how I'm about to get that. I don't know if I got the influence to begin the thousands of subscribers, but I am going to get this um, podcast profitable. And with that, I've been able to get a business credit card through Amex. I've been able to get a business checking account through Chase. I've been able to now purchase a vehicle in my business name and all I'm serving as is a, is a co-signer on it. And like, it's, it's like, I'm working with my CPA now on how to like work with my taxes to make sure that like everything lines up. Still pay my fair share now, not messing with Uncle Sam, but making <laughs> like, you know, using these tricks of the trades that so many people are using and not only bettering themselves, but like going out here and getting it. So I don't know if that answers your question, bro, but. It definitely does. I. For the people that are going to still be listening, I got to touch on what some of the stuff that you were talking about. So for one, what he's saying is he's having other people pay for his luxury lifestyle that he always wanted. Think about that. Other folks are going to fund what, what he, he said he always wanted a luxury car. Other people are funding that for him, mm -hmm. and, but they're getting utility out of it too. It's not like he's taking advantage of anyone. They're visiting Philly, they're using it for a few days and it's paying the car note on that car. Oh, and Number that's one. a point too. That's a point I don't want to miss. The fact that I stayed 20 minutes away from the Philadelphia International Airport has been a blessing. Right. It's been a blessing. And you think about it too, right? Like nobody wants to get off a plane, get your bags, go to the rental car service, right. um, sit there for God knows how long. Let them show, ask you about, you want this insurance, you want that insurance, you want this insurance. No, I want to get off the plane, grab my bags, get my car, and go about my day. And like, that has been the difference maker. 100%. Number two thing, he, he mentioned the business bank account. So, so many, you know, Will's paying the car notes out of his business bank account, getting the money sent to his business bank account. He's now establishing a relationship with the business department at Chase where they're seeing the cash flow and, there's, and, and he has everything in his statement. So if he was, to connect it to QuickBooks, connect his credit card for his expenses for the business to QuickBooks, and then also connect his bank account so that it gets the deposits in QuickBooks. He now has a profit and loss statements that he can use as leverage in order to either get another car, in order to get a, a crib, to start another business. Like these are the steps that they don't tell us mm -hmm. as, as black folk, to be honest. These are the steps they don't teach us in college. And they, and, and they do it for a reason. They, Listen, I could go on rants for days, but like, there's a reason why to get it qualified for a mortgage, even though they push people to, that this is a land of opportunity and that you should start your own business and blah, blah, blah. There's a reason why when you're going to apply for a mortgage, you need your two years of taxes and you need those W-2s to make it a smoother transition. If you're self-employed, good luck. 
Like mm-hmm. they're going to put you through a bunch of obstacles and hoops in order to, to show, even if you're making a hundred thousand in profit, if you don't have your taxes done for your business, they're gonna, not going to let you use that to get a mortgage. So I say that to say like, yeah, it's antithetical, but everything's for a reason. Like they don't teach you this in college or coming up for, mm-hmm. for a reason. And I think to that point too, you mentioned something I think was, and I think it was uh, the great prophet, uh, the Wall Street Trapper that said this. And he said, and I quote, a lion will never teach an antelope how to get away from a lion. Because if it, if he does, then that lion doesn't eat. And the goal is always to eat. It's not that the lion is being selfish. It's not that the lion is evil. It's like the lion realizes that in order for me to be successful, for me to sustain my lifestyle, for me to stay my family, I need to I need to kill and eat you, right? And so the same way, like the the people that we work for, the uh, um, institutions that we're a part of, it's not that they're being evil. They they necessarily want to take advantage of you. At the end of the day, everybody has to feed their family, and I think it falls down to a decision that what are you willing to do to make sure your family is straight? Yeah, exactly, and that's you know. Try to put the info out there, man, so that people, I mean, people, people will, I think uh, people that are meant to receive the information and execute on it will, and have been. Look, absolutely. <laughs> been doing absolutely. it. So before we close there, anything else that you want to share? Did I miss anything? No, I would just, uh, I would just tell people to invest in yourself because I think what really propels me to take action was the fact that I did pay so much money mm-hmm. for the courses and for the consultations and for the conferences. Um, and I think it's a disservice to yourself if you're, you know, holding on and hoarding all this money in your savings account and you don't want to spend whatever, $100, $500, $1,000 for a course, but that money that information that you get, that little tidbit of knowledge could be blessings in the future. Um, so I would just tell people to, to invest in themselves. And, you know, you, I, have a, I do have a, have a rap line that says, uh, how you going to touch a ticket if you want to embrace a quarter mil? So mm-hmm. like, for example, my fleet is worth, you know, probably like 250 to 300, depending on, the market but for the used cars but like i can't say that i want to be a millionaire if i'm afraid to start a two hundred fifty thousand dollar business i mean so i'll just tell people to kind of start thinking that way instead of always like you know if i spent 75 dollars here for consultation if i don't see it immediately was it worth it it's like you never know you never know what that information is going to be until you, you take that chance on yourself and then execute on that information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, brother, thank you so much. As I mentioned, it's been a pleasure. And everybody, please make sure when you tune in, listen. Listen, because we're not just telling you these things because we just basically want to tell you about our successes. We want you to be successful. And we want you to use this as a pathway toward creating something for yourself. Toro might not be for you, you know, real estate might not be your thing either, but maybe crypto, maybe um, investing in the stock market, maybe starting a vending machine business, maybe starting a water business, 
just use the information around you to create something not only for yourself, but for future generations uh, to come. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and really took something from it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight and give a voice to the Black community by bringing phenomenal individuals who are creating and charting paths toward greatness. And through your support, we can continue to change lives. Thanks again. And don't miss the next episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu.